We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. going on everybody happy wednesday and welcome to the aaf live that's right week four in the alliance of american football we're bringing it to you once again on rotogrinders.com i'm eric crane joined by evan and see you nick how we doing today buddy good my man good my man our blues are on a roll i'm, I'm feeling the feeling the hockey love right now uh uh johnson went off for me last week I'm, I'm, I'm loving life right now yeah, blues are fun. And Evan, are, I mean, you're from St. Louis. Are you a blues fan or are you just kind of take it or leave it with them? No, I'm like just so one dimensional. It's pathetic at this point. I used to, <laughs> hey, I used to I've know, seen you play foosball. You're two dimensional. Nick can tell you, like, I used to know everything about every sport. That is no, like, I'm so one dimensional. It's, it's pathetic. I'm such a boring individual. But thank God we have the AAF and, uh, you know, we, I could pour myself into this. Yeah, no, I, I hear you, man. I, I remember back when I was a kid, like I could mm-hmm. rattle off the stats from every freaking sport that happened the night before. Like you just feel like you're Rain Man almost. You're like, yeah, I know this and that and that. And now you get older, you know, kids happen, you know, you start to kind of become an expert in certain sports. And somebody asks you, like if anybody at right now asked me about like tennis or something, I'd just be like, I don't know. You know, I'd just be like, it'd just be a complete disaster. So glad we have the AAF. And of course, we're glad to bring you the AAF here on Roto Grinders. Make sure you check out mypricepicks.com. That's what we're rolling on today. We're going to be taking a look at some props for this uh, for this slate. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you click the like and subscribe button and come check us out over on rotogrinders.com. I got the chat open for you guys who are talking with us. Nick, let's kind of go over what we've learned about the AAF over the first three weeks because a lot of the totals they dropped. We just now got totals for this slate about about 20 minutes ago. We're seeing all the totals drop. We got everything's between 40 and 45, and really three of three of the four games are between 
you know, 41 and 43. So what have we learned so far, Nick, about the AAF? We've learned there's maybe two or three competitive teams, one really god-awful team, the Atlanta Legends, and then every team seems to treat this kind of like kind of like preseason stuff. I mean, they're still rotating through running backs, rotating through receivers a little bit, and that's why you're seeing the totals down so low because these guys don't have any real chemistry yet and they're not scoring points outside of Orlando and uh, Arizona a little bit. Salt Lake's come on a little bit lately, so – I don't know. I'm still getting a feel for it. I think the teams are too. It's just, it's, it's a feeling out process. We have nothing to go back on on these teams. So total feeling out process. Yeah, Evan, it's a little bit weird because we always kind of preach when we're looking at NFL stuff, you, you know, be careful the small sample size. Well, this whole league is nothing but a small sample size. So it's a little bit weird when we're sitting here breaking it down and we can look at film, we can watch the games and form an opinion that way. But when we're looking at some of these teams, it can be a little bit tough sometimes to really feel that confident about the guys that you're looking at, right, Evan? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, every single week is a learning process. I had a really good week this past week in DFS and sports betting uh, in AAF, but that isn't necessarily going to translate to week four. Um, you know, I'm not like, you know, at a point where I'm super confident yet um, about, you know, how good each team is. You know, we see last week, like, perfect example of this, Memphis is – a bottom two team. Okay. Memphis, the Memphis express is a bottom two team. And all of a sudden they insert Zach Mettenberger at halftime, replacing Christian Hackenberg. And they outscore the Arizona hotshots who, you know, maybe a top two team in the league, 17 to 12 in the second half, almost came back and won that game. Really the, the they're not a bad team. They just had the worst quarterback in the friggin' league. And they tucked him out, got a guy in there who's, you know, willing to take some shots downfield. I think they're a really dangerous team. We're going to get to them uh, on the second game of the Saturday slate. But they're not a bad team. They made this huge change at the most position, the most important position in the sport. And, you know, now they're at home. They're, they're dangerous. They're 0-3, but they're one of the most dangerous teams in the league right now. And I'm excited to break down uh, the Memphis Express uh, among other teams on this slate. Again, this what I like about this sport especially is that it's easy to follow. So, hey, if you haven't even been paying attention in the first three weeks, like, you know, read my matchups column. Read the column that uh, Nick is doing. You know, read some stuff from Ian Harditz. Read, you know, watch this show. You can get caught up to speed really fast because there are only four games each week and there are eight teams to track. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into that first game, and it is the San Diego Fleet at the Memphis Express. San Diego, five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, 41-and-a-half-point total. And, Evan, like you said, finally Christian Hackenberg gets the old bye-bye. Zach Mettenberger is inserted into the starting quarterback for Memphis. Nick, when you look at Zach Mettenberger in this game, I find him really interesting from a DFS perspective. I'm not seeing any props on him, which – kind of breaks my heart a little bit because Zach Mettenberg would be somebody that I would have to take the over on my price picks being a little bit sharp about this. I don't want to throw a number out there on Mettenberger that everybody's just going to bang me over. So what do you think about this Memphis Express offense at home against the San Diego fleet where they're underdogs? I mean, I like Mettenberger in the spot. He's a true risk taker. I like him. He's totally boomer bust tournament play and DFS. He's going to throw the ball down the field. He could, he could throw three touchdowns or he could have, no touchdowns and three picks. I mean, it's total total boomer bust, classic guy for that. 
Um, but last week he, he was taking shots downfield, as Evan was saying, threw a touchdown in the right corner to uh, – I can't remember who it was to. I don't even know who his touchdowns went to, but I th he threw one in the right corner, one in the left corner of the end zone. I can't keep track of these receivers right now because <laughs> they're rotating through so many guys. But the second one was wide open, and it was kind of like a garbage time. He type a touchdown. I think it was blown coverage. But there's no question that, like Evan was saying, he, he should have been playing over Hackenberg from pretty much the get-go. Hackenberg showed nothing the first two or three weeks, um, finally mercifully got benched. Um, but I think it obviously makes Zach Stacy more attractive in this game because I think Memphis can stay more competitive. They can run the ball more. So I kind of like his pop over at my, my prize picks at 11.4. He's going to have to score a touchdown. Though we did have five targets last week, so that kind of raises his floor a little, little bit for PPR. Um, other than them, I don't really like too many guys in this game from the prize pick situation, but I do like that Stacy crowd quite a bit. Well, my biggest issue with Stacy is that Sherman Batty had a big game last week, and now does that mean are right. we concerned at all about Batty stealing carries from Stacy? Evan, is that something you're concerned about? Because I'm seeing this prop on Stacy 11-4. I mean, 60 and a touchdown gets you there, but – I mean, I, I'm actually a little bit worried about it. I really am. What do you think about Stacy in this running game situation for Memphis? Yeah, you mentioned Sherman Beatty out of Tulane. Um, signed off the street a couple of days uh, before the week three game. And, you know, didn't really know the offense comes in. He's just a very different runner than the other runners that they've had. He's 5'11", 194. He's smaller. Uh, he ran 4'3", 9", coming out of Tulane. That's really fast in this league. You know, not not great athleticism. That's an, an area where this league needs to improve. But uh, Sherman Beatty has that, and uh, he jumps right in, 75 yards on nine touches, led the expression in, in rushing yards. I agree that he's a guy worth talking about, but I think that Zach Stacy is in a bounce-back spot. I've, lot, I've read a lot of, um, you know, the AAF coverage is kind of underground right now. Um not like a super mainstream covered sport. Black you know, market. Yeah, yeah, the black market. Hey, hey guys, you want this yeah. info? I got it for you. I got this AAF for you. <laughs> but Beatty actually played fewer snaps last week than Terrence McGee, uh, their number two back, uh, technically, at least based on snaps. Um, and I think that the way that he is going to be used is in a clear-cut change of pace role. You know, because of his size com in comparison to Zach Stacy, Zach Stacy still is second in this league in touches. He's got 21 touches, 17 uh, over his last two games. He got uh, that's 38 total over his last two games, so averaging 19 over his last two. And he actually played a season high in snaps last week at 50 percent, and he had a season high in targets last week, five. So I, you know, and, and in a game that I think that ex the Express can get into the win column this week again you know they are they're owing but they're not as bad of a team as that own three record suggests uh, i think that zach stacy is a really interesting daily fantasy play uh, on fanball and i also do like his over on uh myprizepicks.com what about this san diego side because we got philip nelson the quarterback the projection on him is 13.9 on the a road favorites, not usually where I'm looking for my quarterback play, but we kind of all think that Memphis is really interesting in this game. Nick, what, talk to me about Philip Nelson as a quarterback and his prop at 13.9 today. I honestly don't know a whole lot about this Philip Nelson guy. I mean, I watched their games, but I, th I think they were saying during the broadcast he never played after college, and this is like his third real pro game. I don't think he played in the 
preseason with any NFL teams, but he seems to be p- picking up this Mike Martz offense um, who asks a lot from his quarterbacks. He's, he's not really taking shots downfield at all. It's kind of like a dig and dug over the middle. They'll run their two running backs out there, Terrell Watson, Jaquan Gardner, hammer them, and then he'll like throw it to Gavin Escobar and Nelson Spruce in the short, air, short areas of the field. Um, not really taking shots in the corners or on the outside. So I'm not really high on Nelson at all, but especially on the road here. I mean, I think this is definitely going to – the Memphis defense isn't that bad. I think they just get worn down through games because Hackenberg can't move the ball. So I think this game's going to be a little more competitive than we're used to seeing from Memphis, like Evan was just talking about. So I'm kind of take I'm kind of leery on Nelson. I think it's right where it should be. I'm not really thinking about the over or the under on him. Evan, do you have an opinion on this San Diego offense with, you know, even Gavin Escobar, the prop 6.6, Philip Nelson, 13-9. Anything interests you here? Yeah, so this San Diego team, coached by Mike Martz, has gotten better every single week. They looked like they might be down there with uh, Atlanta in week one when they gave up like five or six first-half sacks. You know, they wound up benching their quarterback. Philip Nelson did not look good in the second game. Remember, he was the guy who threw the overhead or, you know, over-the-back pass. You know, just kind of looked clueless. But I think that Mike Martz has been one of the most impressive coaches in the league, uh, kind of. Uh, showing an ability to like adjust to account for his personnel and they have a dominant running game. Um, So that's really your biggest concern with Philip Nelson. He's being used as a game manager. He he had 30 attempts in his first start, but he completed 14 of them this past week. He went 17 of 25. And like Nick said, he's throwing a lot of high percentage passes. Um, Their pass catcher core doesn't really stand out. You know, I think that Nelson Spruce is a good player but their number two is Brian Brown, and he's not you know, not even remotely on the NFL radar. Gavin Escobar was a second-round pick in the NFL, tore his Achilles, has never really quite been the same. He's been very inconsistent uh, through three weeks, and then just a bunch of guys in, in the pass catcher court. Um, so I, I, I would not take a strong stance on uh, Philip Nelson in this game. I think that, you know, it's going to come down to, like, is he going to throw, t- throw touchdown passes in the red zone? We're not going to see him, th- you know, or is he going to run? He's been actually kind of dangerous as a runner. He's got over 50 rushing yards and two starts. Um, and that's a way that he could get over. But I think that he's not a guy that has, like, a high level of confidence, high level, high level of confidence in. Um, I just want to take a strong stand on so really, as far as I can tell, you guys kind of want to take a hands-off approach on my price picks from this game, you know, other than maybe some Zach Stacy. I mean, is there anything else that stands out for you, Nick? Because it doesn't sound like there's anything for Evan. From this game, no, not really. I think Spruce could do it, especially since it's PPR, it's 10.2. It's like, like we said last week, we were talking about Spruce, five catches, 50 yards, five catches, 60 yards. He's got it. Last week he scored two touchdowns, was targeted on a two-point conversion. I think he's Phil Nelson's uh, number one guy, so the Nelson the Nelson connection they got going on. So I, I could maybe take an over on him, but that, that'd be it. I always like a Nelson to Nelson connection. All right, let's talk San Antonio Commanders. No, <laughs> first talk the Orlando Apollos at the Salt Lake Stallions. Get excited, everybody. Orlando, probably the best team in the league. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, 44-and-a-half-point total. And, um, you know, Evan, last week we saw Salt Lake beat a team that – Everybody thought was one, you know, and probably still is one of the top two teams in the week in Arizona. So I look at a Salt Lake team here; they have a brutal match against Orlando, which is probably the best offense in the entire league. Evan, what do you think about the Salt Lake side? 
Um, yeah, I was big on Salt Lake last week, getting that win. Got a little help by, you know, uh, uh, the Hot Shots quarterback going out, uh, John Walford. But, um, and, and, you know, the, the Salt Lake didn't, didn't dominate the game by any means. Um, their leading receiver, DeMornay Pearson L, who a lot of people are going to chase his statistics. You know, he had a very big game. What did he have, like uh, eight targets uh, or nine, nine targets, caught all of them, 90 yards and a touchdown in a two-point conversion. So he was a difference maker uh, on the slate. But he was number five among the Salt Lake Stallions receivers in routes run. So he is a potential trap. Uh, this week, he is on my prize picks at 12.1. I'd take the under on that. I, I think that that's a good bet to take the under on DeMornay Pearson L this week. Um, Woodrum, the, the quarterback for the Stallions, you know, he, just he, him playing in the game as opposed to like Austin Allen is a, a much better, it creates much better situations for the Salt Lake Stallions. But, you know, he has dealt with a hamstring injury. Uh, he has run in uh, previous NFL preseasons. We have not seen him run so far in the AAF. Um, he's averaging 5.3 yards per pass attempt. Um, and I think that this Orlando Apollo secondary is the best in the league. Uh, so I, I'm not big. I'm not too big on uh, Woodrum this week. His, his, uh, his prop is 13.4 fantasy points. Uh, but I do like the under on his alleged top receiver, DeMornay Pearson L. Um, in the backfield, though, I think it can, is consistently not getting enough love. Uh, he has led the Salt Lake backfield in snaps and touches in back-to-back -back games. He's been dominating, or I shouldn't say dominating, but leading uh, the team in red zone and goal line work over Joel Buano, uh, who is 230 pounds. He should be the guy. Who gets the ball? My boy Buanyo. But they are giving it to Brandon Oliver, and uh, Brandon Oliver executed last week. He was one of the best DFS plays of the week. He, he went over his um his prop, and I like him to do it again against Orlando this week. Buanyo, that's my boy over there. I'm learning the names, Evan. I'm picking it up. So of course, you know we like the under on Pearson L. We like the over on Brandon Oliver. Go. San Diego Chargers, I guess, for Brandon Oliver. Nick, you're shaking your head. I'm, I'm totally on the opposite side of Pearson L. I love Pearson L this week again. I was talking yeah, about him yeah, a little yeah. bit last week. Yeah, I love him. Uh, right, he's seen – He saw five targets in Woodrum's first start, only caught one of them. They were super inefficient through the air. Um, Woodrum was definitely looking his way in the first game before he got hurt. And, and then this past week he was running out of slot. Um, he's their number one slot receiver. Uh Led the team with eight targets, eight catches, 90 yards, one touchdown, like Evan said. Um, and also gets the best matchup individually in this game against these uh, Orlando defensive backs. Um, Keith Reeser and Marquez White on the outside have been two of the better corners rated by pro football, pro football focus. And then Bryce Kennedy, their slot cornerback, is actually the third worst grade cornerback on the, on the uh, side over there. So this just, I mean, Woodham looks in the middle of the field towards um, Pearson Allen Denham and then I, th I think this matchup just suits Pearsonell's skill set best, and then the way Woodrum likes to throw the ball, which is over the middle, safety blanket. So I think he can easily beat this 10.2 in PPR, especially. All right. Well, everybody likes you know 
points. And the Orlando Apollos, they score a ton of them, led by Gil- Garrett Gilbert, a guy who's probably going to be the league MVP, at least through three weeks. That's the way it looks. Evan, the problem is on a site like my prize picks, all these props are up. You know, it's you're not getting these guys, you know, 14, 15 points. No, Garrett Gilbert's essentially has to hit 21 or more points in order to get there. Do you think he does it in this matchup? Um, I think that there are some concerns about him, and that begins with uh, the pass rush of the Salt Lake Stallions. The Salt Lake Stallions have uh, the leading, the, the leader in the AAF, Carter Schultz. He's been an absolute stud. Um, they had, uh, over their last two games, six sacks and 16 quarterback hits against Arizona and Birmingham, not teams that give up a lot of sacks and hits. Um and uh, I think that they, they have a, a pretty respectable defense. But, yeah, I'm still on the over here. One thing that stood out to me, and, you know, we've had some coaches that have kind of separated themselves. I, I think that Mike March is one of them. And I think that Steve Spurrier might be the best coach in the entire league. He coached the Orlando Apollos. Um, last week, so the Orlando Apollos started off the game really cold in the passing game. Passing game has really been their bread and butter so far. They've got Charles Johnson, who had has had you know big seasons in the NFL before. Jalen Marshall, who was uh, a round pick. Rennell Hall, who has had a cup of coffee in the NFL. They've got like, legit NFL players in their pass catcher core. Well, they weren't doing anything in the, in the first half last week um, in the passing game, and then so Spurrier switched it up and he started calling zone re- zone read plays, option plays. Garrett Gilbert kind of capitalizing on Garrett Gilbert's underrated athleticism. Garrett Gilbert scored a 21 yard touchdown on an option keep. Uh, he finished with seven carries for 43 yards and a touchdown really should have 50 yards and a touchdown, except he had three kneel downs at the end of the game, which uh, took away seven of his rushing yards. Um, That's brutal. I know it's, it's absolutely brutal. Uh, but I, I think that this Orlando offense is largely matchup proof. And I think that Garrett Gilbert going over 20 uh, fantasy points again is a good bet. Uh, that's right around his prop on, on my uh, prize picks. And he's also, you know, I just think that having that in your back pocket, that athleticism in your back pocket, this is a dude who rushed for 14 touchdowns over his final two seasons at uh, Southern Methodist. Uh, having that in your back pocket as a way to score supplementary, supplementary fantasy points is a really good thing because we've seen, you know, and, and when everything is kind of hitting on all cylinders for this Orlando offense, they have the best vertical passing attack in the AAF. And, you know, now we've seen that they're very willing to use Garrett Gilbert as a runner. So just monster upside for him. You know, when we talk about this Orlando offense, obviously we know they're going to be scoring points. Nick, are you taking this Garrett Gilbert over or under here? And it feels like right about right for me. I'm, the one thing I'm concerned about here is the weather. Um, I, don't, I know weather's not a thing to get too worried about, but it's supposed to be snowing in Salt Lake this this weekend, and it's and it's an outdoor stadium where they play. And Gilbert has probably never seen snow in his life or played in a snow game. He's from born in Texas, played at high school in Texas, went to Texas, went to Southern Methodist. Yeah, and he never played in the NFL, really. So he was drafted by, like, the L.A. Rams, and then he played for Carolina last – uh, last week, 17 in New Orleans. This dude's never seen snow in his life. Um, I don't know how he's going to perform snow. He, he could be completely fine, but I'm a little leery. I think I might just stay away from that Garrett Gilbert um, prop, um, but he's ultra safe in cash games on fan ball. 
um, easily the best quarterback in this league. I just think the passing offense could maybe struggle a little bit in this in this spot on the road, and especially in cold temps. I I, I buy the weather narrative. I 100% buy the cold weather narrative. I know Evan's probably rolling his eyes over there right now. AF so. weather analysis. Let's get it. <laughs> That's Where's Roth? We need Roth over here. We need him to tell us about what's going to happen in Salt Lake. Um, I guess. All right, let's stop San Antonio at Birmingham. Birmingham, of course, they they have the best defense in the league. 40.5 point total. They're 5.5 point favorites at home. We know we're going to like Trent Richardson and the over. 17.5. I'm taking the over there. The question is, Evan, can we like anybody on this San Antonio team? Because iron defense, they're only allowing, allowing seven points per game. Man, this San Antonio team is tough because you, know, you look at the quarterback situation right now, and Logan Woodside has been just – I feel like he's getting worse every game. And Marquise Williams, their number two quarterback, you know, who we, we've talked about in the past, played over Mitchell Trubisky for two years in North Carolina, great athlete. Um, you know, he's going to get more playing time, I think, going forward. Um, this is also a team that has been connected to Johnny Manziel. They actually have first did – Johnny Manziel uh, based on like where he's from um, so and they're, they're playing a, a pretty good defense here um, and I, I just I, I'm wor- I continue to worry about Logan Woodside like losing his job getting benched for Marquise Williams and let's see what is Woodside's prop see 12.9 that's, that's low you know it's easy to get there you know, if it was at like 15, I'd love to take the under. I just – I don't have a strong feeling, I think, at 12.9. Yeah, I mean, I think I would just – I mean, I know that these are, you know, skewed based on the opponent. I know Birmingham's defense has been really good, but I want to kind of caution everybody and say, you know, one of the things that we know is that three-game sample sizes don't mean a whole lot. I would actually just rather take the over on Logan Woodside and just hope that the iron defense maybe isn't as good as what a lot of people think it is. Nick, what about you? What do you think about the San Diego side? I pretty much, out of the three, I'd hammered the under on all three of them. Um, Woodside's, we was named the starter, but I'm I'm skeptical again. I think Marquis Williams is going to see playing time. Kenneth Farrow looked bad again last week, playing through that back injury. And then Trey Williams um, played his first game last week and averaged over seven and a half yards of carry. Um, looked really fast in the running game. He was running around the edges. Um, made plays in the passing game as well. He just looked like he could run circles around Farrow. So I expect him to see more playing time in the backfield for the commanders. And then Mikhail McKay is going to be one-on-one with Jamar Summers, who is probably, if not the best, the second-best cornerback in this league behind Keith Reeser. So I'd be hammering the honor on all three of these commanders players. Um, the Birmingham defense is number one against quarterbacks, number one against running backs, and number number one against receivers. So – I know I don't read into read into that too much, especially looking at the teams they played. But if I was going to bet on any of these, I'd bet the unders on all three. Well, let's talk about this iron offense, and obviously everything revolves around Trent Richardson. He just, I, I'm taking the over on Trent Richardson. What about you, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, Kevin, are you there? Oh. Yeah, I would continue to take overs on Trent Richardson. The the question is with Luis Perez like is this dude ever going to throw a touchdown pass he leads <laughs> F in pass attempts leads the AF in pass attempts and has zero passing touchdowns so he's also that- number one number one in adjusted completion percentage but they keep dropping passes it's it's like a epidemic up there or down there I should say so <laughs> I mean I 
I think that <sighs> Luis Perez has burned me now in two weeks straight. And I think I'm going to go back to that well, you know. Right there with you. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, I think that the San Antonio – starting quarterback. San, San Antonio defense is really, really beatable. And I think that Luis Perez is going to get it together here. And I'm going to take the over again. Um, but it's it, it doesn't feel good because he's burned me, you know, a couple of weeks in a row. <laughs> you're, just, you're a glutton for Luis Perez. It's like me and Kobe right. Flader, man. I get it. I get what you're saying. So <laughs> I, I'm fine taking the over on Luis Perez to Nick. Is there anybody on here like Quentin Patton that we can pair him with when we're doing the props? It's Quentin Patton's like Luis Perez. He keeps burning us. He just keeps dropping like defenses over the middle. That should be like six point, six point uh, plays. And I mean, this dude's watching this dude play is just hard to do. This dude celebrates more than anyone I've ever seen. Talks more trash than anyone I've ever seen. And the dude cannot make a big play. Like anytime he does anything, he just like in the face of the defense, pointing first down and yelling at the other sideline. I'm like. Let's dude shut up and catch a touchdown for once. So I'm just like starting to hate this guy, like irrationally hate this guy. So I, I like the over on him, though. especially if we're going to go Perez, you got to go the over on Patton. And then especially with LaDamian Washington became their quote unquote number one receiver in the second half last week. He had Tim Lewis, their uh, head coach on the sideline, talking him up on the mic saying, this is our new number one guy. This is our guy. He looks like our best receiver. Washington got hurt in that game. Uh, hurt his groin, didn't practice on Wednesday, so it looks like it's going to be Patton at number one again this week. So I'm, I'm hitting the over on him again. All right, let's move on to our last game. It's the one game that has a big-time spread, and the reason is it's one of the best teams in the league against one of the worst teams. It's the Atlanta Legends, who I think I'm next in line to coach them. They're on, like, their eighth <laughs> offensive coordinator, something dumb like that. Uh, they're at the Arizona Hot Shots. Arizona, 10.5-point favorites at home, a 41-point total. Um like, I'm not messing with any of these Atlanta guys, and it looks like that my price picks isn't either. They only have Matt Sims listed as a potential play, and 12.6, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. I'm not that excited. But the Arizona, we expect a ton of points from. I would expect we're going to see some more props posted later from the Arizona side because two ain't enough for a team that should be the highest-scoring team on the slate. So, Evan, what do we think about this game? Well, we talked last week about Kenneth Farrow as a guy that you just look at because he, he missed practice last Wednesday. And, you know, we did the show on Wednesday night and we we're like, just hammer the under, you know, just hammer the under. He did, play, but he was limited in the game and he went under. There are two guys that stand out on myprizepicks.com that you just want to hammer the under immediately. Number one is Trevor Knight, because it looks like John Walford is going to start. So Trevor Knight getting, you know, 13 fantasy points, like let's just rock that under. And then Matt Sims, I think we rock that under on 12.6, because I think he could easily be benched for Aaron Murray in this game. Last week in Atlanta's home opener, the all the, the fans were cheering for, for Aaron Murray to come into the game. And Aaron Murray needs to go into the game. And I think that Matt Sims at a very high risk of getting benched through three picks last week, has a ton of turnovers on the season. Um, I think you could parlay those two right now, you know, as we speak, and you put yourself in very good position. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like that. I think one of the bigger edges on my price pick is taking a look at the guys that, look, there's a reasonable shot they get benched. And I think you look at Trevor Knight with, um, you know, Wofford, he's questionable. Sounds like he's going to be okay, though. Matt Sims, if he gets benched, like, I think this is, I, honestly, this kind of feels like the best two bets on the entire board, Nick. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'd be hammering the night thing like all day long. I don't think he's going to play at all. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Evan there. Um, I like their Shad Ross over as well. Um, looking at pro football focuses, wide receiver, cornerback uh, matchups that Jeff Rat- Ratcliffe puts together over there. Uh, Ross has the best um, one-on-one matchup uh, this week against – Atlanta slot cornerback Carlos Merritt. Um, Ross is running 90% of his routes out of the slot. Um, just doing work from there. Uh, can beat you over the top. He can beat you in the middle, um, in the short areas of the field. He caught that one-yard touchdown last week. Had like a six-yarder the week before that. And we've seen him go over the top for 40, 50-yard bombs already. So, especially with Walford looking like he's going to play. I love Ross in this spot again. I think he's the number one receiver this week. All right. Any other takes? For, like the Atlanta side, I think this is a really quick discussion. Yeah. Evan, do you like anybody from the Atlanta Legends this week? <laughs> That's kind of how I feel too. Like I'm, I'm not messing. No. I'm not, I'm not touching. No, I'm, I, I did want to mention one DFS sleeper though, uh, okay. of the Arizona Hotshot. So I think Arizona is in a really good position to just impose their will offensively. Tim Cook is not on uh, Prize Picks, but he is available on FanDuel. At, I'm sorry, at FanBall for 3,100, which is 100 above the minimum. He's a guy who had 14 carries in week two uh, in a game where Arizona did impose their will. Last week, they did not impose their will. He's like LeGarrette. You know, if you can figure out the game flow for this dude, he has really big upside. And I think game flow sets up beautifully for Tim Cook, six foot, 242 pounds. Um, I think we're going to see a big time bounce back game for Tim Cook. He's Awesome play on fan ball at just above the minimum. Nick, any final thoughts on you about this game? I, I agree with that, and I also like Gerald Presley. I think they're going to, going to feed both these guys. I think Presley's a good play at uh, fan ball as well at 5,000. It's the cheapest you're probably going to get in this season, especially since he's still technically the, the hot shots lead back. So I like running backs with running backs at um, in games as double-digit favorites. So that's what I've been hammering all past two weeks with the Johnson and Jaquan Garner. So I'm going back to the well with this one. Yeah. I think Gerald Presley is a perfectly fine play fourth in the league in rushing. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Make sure you check out mypricepicks.com. You can see right here, guys, it's this easy. We like the under on Trevor Knight a lot. We like the under on Matt Sims a lot. You just click the go button. You select the two guys and you click the go button. It's going to throw it right here. Let's say I wanted to throw some money in it. I threw a hundred bucks in there and 250 bucks. If they both go under and guess what? We think they're both going to get benched. So free money. that's print fest right there. I might just throw that in right now. But we got to get off here now. We got lineups to build. We got NBA to sweat. We got all sorts of stuff going on. Thanks so much for tuning in to the My Price Pick Show, where we're talking about the AAF. Make sure you check them out. For Nick, for Evan, I'm Eric. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Thank you.